We are going to be starting in the Old Testament this morning with Song of Solomon 8-7. Don't worry, it's a very narrow scripture from Song of Solomon. Uh, I don't know if you understood what I just said. It's about, that's a, that's a steamy book about married love. And we're not going to read a whole lot. We're just going to read a few verses. Song of Solomon 8-7. As we look at the hunger for relationship, one of the four drivers of every human life this is the word of god many waters cannot quench love rivers cannot sweep it away if one were to give all one's wealth of one's house in exchange for love that would be utterly scorned you know one of the the most amazing and almost heart-stopping moments in life is watching a baby born. And I've had the privilege to do that twice, 24 years ago and 21 years ago. And and I will never forget uh, that beautiful little form and that scrunched-up face that was so beautiful but so bothered to be born but especially i will never forget that the these tiny little arms just reaching out just reaching out and brand new in the world as as if you could put it to words saying who who is going to hold me who's going to love me who is going to to care for me. Who's going to connect with me? I'm here now. I need you. And you know, in a very real sense, that posture and that need never changes from that moment on throughout our entire life. We're still that person. With that need, folks, We are born to love. And we are born with a built-in need and hunger for connection and relationship. That's the first thing I want us to to, to look at this morning is, is this hunger that is built in for relationship. In Genesis 2, it kind of tells us it's really not human in the best sense of the word not human if we don't pursue relationships you know um all through the creation narrative god creates and he says it is good and he creates and he he just just ringing it is good it is good it is very good. And this is just a beautiful canvas of, of the art of God's love and all that is gift and beauty. And then suddenly and profoundly, God stops and he says, maybe with, with, with equal volume, it is not good. It's not good. He says, it's not good for man to be alone even the other animals had others of their kind 
But for man, we read, no helper was found. He was alone. Genesis equals alone equals not good. You got that math? Alone equals it's not good. Yes, this passage is about the first marriage. God created Eve and and as the father of the bride, as we say, he, he brought Eve and, and gave her to Adam that they might become one, that they might love, know one another, multiply, subdue the earth, rule over creation. But I want you to know that that statement out of generally out of it is good, it is good, it is not good, that statement is a God-spoken truth that is not solely about marriage. The application of that statement with the first human being was marriage, and that is such a profound relationship. No, no, it's about who we are in needing God and relationship and needing other people. And the scriptures, the same scriptures, go on to, to highlight in detail, all of these beautiful, different relationships that God wants us to have with our family and, and different types of people in families with our, our friends, with those we, we labor with and, and those in our covenant community, in the, the community of God. Single people, don't let people tell you you are incomplete Without marriage, there is not one thing wrong with you if you are single. There's this thing called God's will, and God knows how to give when God is ready to give. And and, and I would just encourage you to, to put your faith in the Lord and walk with Him and have all of those relationships that are so rich and beautiful and bountiful and be a whole person before God and with all of these relationships. From our very first cry and reaching out our arms, it's not just about who's going to provide for me. It's who's going to hold me. Who's going to connect with me. And by that, I mean that we really were made for closeness as well as the need for for provision from others. Have you all ever heard about those, those studies in fact, I looked it up to make sure I knew what I was talking about. Those studies, and, and there are lots of them, and, and this kind of really broke out into the public back in the 90s when the, when the, the wall had come down and, and communism had been defeated, so to speak, and, and people were going in and finding these orphanages in Romania and, and all these other places. Do you all remember this? And there were these studies that, showed that children in these orphanages who were not held got sick and and lots of them died and and i want to quote to you i I had to look this up this was um one of those it was this is psychology today um that talked about this back then and i quote Touch, it says, is even more vital than we realized. Babies who are not held and hugged enough will literally stop growing. And if the situation 
persist long enough, and even if they are receiving proper nutrition, they can die. That is amazing to me. Die for lack of connection? That's what, that's what the studies show. And do you know what? Yes. That's how important love is in this gift that God gives to meet the longing that we are born with. It, we hunger for closeness. And, and with different levels of appropriateness, relationships provide of, of all these kinds are, are designed to provide with, with different appropriateness uh, this closeness. I mean, look, even my little lap dog named Yorkie Poo, or no, excuse me, Jax, who's a Yorkie Poo. I still, I'm sorry, I still can't believe I own a Yorkie Poo. But I do, and his name is Jax. I'm telling you, he snuggles up to us, mainly Gina, on the couch so tight. I mean, if he could speak English, you know what he'd be saying? He'd be singing Karen Carpenter's song, Close to You. He just would be. I mean, you know, you don't have to look far to see this incredible need for connection. We humans are made in the image of a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, who eternally and with family love and intimate love and perfect sharing and love and closeness have made us in the image of God, made for relationship, made to be close. You know, you, you could make the case that most of the problems in this world can be understood in terms of lack of love. You can make that case. And I want you to think about the heartaches in your life and tell me whether that is true or not. It's true. Gina and I recently watched a movie. I'm not going to tell you the name of it. But in this movie, the main character grew up in an orphanage. He kind of keeps having flashbacks about this orphanage. And you know, growing up in the orphanage, what he wants more than anything, and he's desperate to find it, is love and connection. And he wants a family. And, and so he's going off to World War II. You know, this is right when World War II is breaking, and he's signed up. He's an adult now. And he did what a lot of people did. He, he, real, he really quickly married, you know, like the week before he went off to have somebody to wait for him or whatever they said. Not a good strategy, by the way. Of course, Bob and any of y'all that were children then, maybe I shouldn't judge. Um, he, he comes back, you know, he makes it through the war. And all he thinks about is his wife. All he thinks, he comes back only to find that what this woman really wants is money. And he, she realizes he's not going to be rich and she ditches him. Well, the other main character is a 24 or so young woman who did not experience love from her father. And we're going to meet him in a minute and we're going to see that that's true. And she's desperate for love. And she's looking for love. And now she's pregnant. The other main character is her dad because now it's time in the movie for her to go home and face her dad. The other main character in the movie is her dad who is harsh, 
and driven, but desperately needs love and doesn't know how. Okay, so the orphan, now grown up, will pretend that he is married to the daughter, now pregnant, so that the father will accept the daughter, and a few days later he's going to leave her, and it's all going to be his fault. That's a pretty cool plan, right? Well, of course, it doesn't go according to plan. As you might have guessed it, they fall in love. And they fall in love mainly because of the incredible sacrificial nature of the love of this man who has come back from the war. And in the end, through incredible tragedy that happens to this family, the dad himself is totally broken. And in one of the last scenes, and through tears, he says to his daughter, I'm so sorry. Would you teach me how to love? He says to his daughter. You know, when there is real love, that's a, that's a kind of beautiful fulfillment of what human beings should be like. You know, every movie is about love. You know this, right? It doesn't matter if it's a war movie. It doesn't matter if it's set here or there. I remember... Uh, Bob Brunson, Pastor Brunson, who worked here some years ago, he, he loves history. And so he was one of the first people in line to go see Pearl Harbor. And uh, I asked him the next morning, I said, hey, how was Pearl Harbor? And the history wasn't that great, evidently. He, I said, how was Pearl Harbor? He said, oh, it was just a love triangle, triangle bombed by the Japanese. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's kind of kind of the wraps it up. You know, it, it's always about love. It, in our lives, it's always about relationship. It's always about love. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what you're doing. When it comes down to the meaning of life, it's always about love. And where there is not love, it's just another expression of the fall of mankind and our selfish pride that hinders love or destroys it. You know, real love is different from everything else in the world, because it has the power to transform. When someone is sacrificial and giving of themselves toward us, we recognize something that we don't recognize anywhere else. We recognize for sure that they really do want to connect with us because they've shown it through their sacrifice. They really do care. They really do want to be there. And that is an amazing human experience. To be loved in a way that is sacrificial and real. We yearn for this. So first is just how we yearn for love. We're made that way. But secondly is our need not only to be loved, but our great need to love. That we are made to love. Love is connecting with someone through giving to them. That's what it is. Love is connecting through giving. In the New Testament, I think of 1 Corinthians 13, which we call the great love chapter. And, uh, and I can hear these words of other-centeredness. 
being spoken from the position of how we love, not just waiting around looking for somebody to love us like this, how we sacrifice. And here are the words. Many of you have heard these words. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. Love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. And it is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always persevere. And then these haunting words, for me at least, love never fails. And then the summit. And in this life we have three great lasting qualities. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. And you know what the greatest of these is? The greatest of these is love. The greatest is for me to love, for for you to love, for for us to, to give that greatest of all gifts, that, that demonstration that cuts through the talk, cuts through the images, cuts through the promises into real, live, life-on-life love in action. You and I were made for love. And I'm going to tell you, in loving, this also is where we discover the richness of life. Because we begin to leave our self-centeredness behind for a few moments. And suddenly there's a whole world of opportunity that we wouldn't have even seen. And you know what's great about it is? It's directed at this person that we purport to love so dearly. And we can. And God is calling us not only to seek love and to hunger for love, but to love. Now, I want to get to the text in Song of Solomon. It is called by scholars the, the Old Testament, 1 Corinthians 13. So it's kind of like 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter in the Old Testament. And let me read again this text. And I'm going to add a verse to it. Love is as strong as death. Love's passion, jealousy is as fierce as the grave. Love's flashes are flashes of fire. In fact, that fire is the very fire of God. Verse 7 of Song of Solomon 8. Many waters cannot quench love. Neither can floods drown love. If a man were to to offer in exchange for love all the wealth, wealth of his household, he would be utterly scorned. No way. And I I just like to to say about this, God is calling us through this passage just like he is calling us through 1 Corinthians 13 to be a part of his work on the earth. God is love with people we love and also to reach out and love other people and, and that we don't even know. 
But he's asking us to, to build something that actually matters with our lives. And so I'll just quickly go through this text. Love is as strong as death, meaning love is ultimate. You know, death is considered the ultimate thing. I suppose taxes will always be with us too, but for sure death is the ultimate thing. And love is as strong as the most ultimate thing you will ever know in your life. Love is just that strong. It's worth it. Love is unstoppable. It's like a fire that can't be stopped. It is, the ESV says, it is the very flame of Yahweh. It is the very flame of God. God is love. And and when we love, it, it has the power of God in it. And one motivation to love is that God will do great things through our love. Because it is God's fire. It is God's power released through our love. Love never fails. So it's ultimate, it's unstoppable, and then it's, it's like the most durable thing. Real love. Flood waters cannot drown it. Katrina's will not be able to ever drown love. A flood can reshape an entire town, as people down on the coast of Mississippi know about. But love is like a rock that is immovable, and the flood does not move it. It withstands the flood. Love is like a living thing, like a fire that cannot be put out like a life that cannot be drowned by the greatest flood in the world because love is transcendent because it comes from God. It's ultimate, like death. It's unstoppable, like that fire. It's it's durable through the flood. And then finally, it is valuable. It's worth it. Mainly, if you were in your right mind, clearly thinking you would say i wouldn't trade anything for my relationship with blank you could offer me all the money in the world all the the money of the household it says and i would scorn that offer because that does not even come close to how much this relationship means to me isn't that beautiful Love is an ultimate, unstoppable, durable, it's valuable. So we need love, and we hunger for love. And, and we need to love, and, and, and through that, something beautiful and, and valuable and unstoppable, etc., can be built. And I'm telling you, that's worth giving our time to, our hearts to, our lives to. At the end of the day, that's why all the movies are about it, all the books are about it, and everything going on in your life is about it. Finally, we learn to love through God's love for us. We learn to love through God's love for us. You know, the original love that we read about in this world was God's love for Adam. I've always been intrigued with this this. The scene in Genesis where Adam meets God at an appointed place and they, quote, walk together and inferred, they talk together, they relate, they walk together in the cool of the day. That God represents himself in a way that Adam can handle it. Man, 
Can you imagine walking with God every afternoon? Just being able to share your heart and, and just talk and, and share love. This is the original love, and it, and it came from God. And, and Adam, if you'll remember, and Eve rebelled against God, and they no longer wanted God's goodness, and they no longer wanted a relationship on the terms of God gifting the relationship. And uh, one of the most tragic, kind of hollow, almost still echoing kind of hollow moments in the Scripture is where God, after the sin, a God comes to the garden. Remember this? I, w- I would say to you, it's not written, but I would say to you to the exact same place he always met Adam, at the exact same time in the cool of the day, and God said, Adam, where are you? Oh, God loves. It was Adam who was hiding. It was Adam who was ashamed. It was Adam who had lost the, 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 the clarity of love and now there was no opaqueness between he and God. He covered himself. And God meets him and he, and he says, where are you? God knew exactly where Adam was. It was Adam who had changed. And, and right after this, we have what is called the curses. And God says, because I told you in the day you ate of the fruit, you will surely die. And God curses. And God curses. And right in the middle of God's curses, I'm talking about just suddenly in the middle of it, he says this to the serpent. He said, you know, you're going to have enmity. There's going to be enmity between you and the woman. This is Genesis 3.15. It's the first mention of Christ in the Bible. And there's going to be someone born of a woman one day, and he's going to crush your head. And you're going to bruise his heel. And basically, this curse is going to be reversed. Where are you, Adam, is answered by, I will come and get you. Even though you are now my enemy, I'm coming to get you. I'm sending a Messiah. I'm sending a rescuer to come to get you. And he was bruised for us, wasn't he? He was bruised for our transgressions. This is how we know what love really is. God so loved that he sent. He gave his only son. Christ gave all. Christ was crucified and through the cross, sinners that don't deserve relationship are brought back into the arms of God. And the answer, who's going to love me? Who is going to connect with me? Who is going to nurture me? The answer is, again, God. You know, the wife in our text in the Song of Solomon says that her love is strong as the grave. I got news for you. Jesus' love is stronger than the grave. It's stronger than the ultimate reality. 
Because He not only died in our place and and took the the just penalty that our sins deserve before a holy God. Three days later, He rose in power and He lives and He is able to give forgiveness and life and we are able to come into His arms. Do you understand the way this works? We simply bring our sins to the one that we've rebelled against. He takes our sins through the cross and gives us forgiveness and life and love forever. Now, have you figured out by now that human love will fail you? If there's anybody here that hadn't figured that out, I want you to talk to me after the service, and I'm going to, like, ruin your life after the service. I'm going to tell you the truth about the fall of mankind. Oh, yes, human love will fail you, and, you know, the person talking to you is Exhibit A. And I think you're Exhibit A, too. We are sinners And we fail each other. We need forgiveness. But I want you to understand something. God's love will never fail you. Never. God's love will always be there. And His Holy Spirit, whom He has sent because of of what Christ has done, will always be there. You know, our problem is kind of like Adam. Hey, Adam, where are you? And Adam's the one that's hiding. I'm going to tell you, if you've put your trust in Jesus, God is in you. God loves you. There is not one moment of cessation. There is not one moment of reduction of God's love for you. It is complete. It is whole. Meaning you can know that you are loved. And you can turn to His love. When you're broken. And there's nobody there. You need to remember there is somebody there. And it's the greatest love of all. It's the truly the, the only perfectly healing love that humans will ever receive comes from God. And, and other love that heals is just an a, 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 a echo of, of that healing love of God. And you know, God's ongoing love is from the one who never changes. But finally, it is in being loved and secured in that love. Have you ever noticed there are times when you're insecure? You do all kinds of stupid things. And you say things you wouldn't have ordinarily said because you're insecure. You do things that you would never chosen to do because you're insecure. Kind of kind of in fear. You know, kind of bound up in some insecurity. Well, I'm gonna tell you, the, the people that love the best are the people who are secured in love. When we put our trust in the love of God today, there's oxygen in our life. There's actually some elbow room to actually focus on someone else. Instead of just chasing love at any cost, wherever it can be found. Demanding love, regardless of the cost and the collateral damages that causes in our relationship. We can rest Secure in the love of God. 1 John 3.16. Not John 3.16. 1 John 3.16. This is how we know. This, let me read it. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. It's done, folks. It's real. 
And it is out of that securing that we are able then to love others. Let me read the whole passage. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Therefore be imitators of God as dearly beloved children and walk in love just as Christ loved us, just as, and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice for God. Let me end with an illustration. I came up with this one, so it's probably not going to be that great. In Colorado, you know, I became kind of a Colorado or a wannabe Colorado, I guess you'd say. You can tell I don't talk like a Coloradan. Uh, I love to, to ski, to downhill ski. And you know, this whole thing, to me, it's kind of like skiing. Here's how it's like skiing. Um, if there is no massive base layer of snow on that mountain, there is no skiing. And that's the love of Christ. That is, that is the massive securing base layer of love in our lives. It's the very definition of love in our lives. But you know, if you, if you like downhill skiing, you've got to have that base layer, right? But you know what's really great is when fresh powder falls onto that base layer and makes the whole thing even more fun. So, the love of Christ is the base layer and the very definition of love. But the fresh powder of our love and others' loves for us just makes it even more meaningful and fun. We were made for relationship. We were made for love. Don't wait around to be loved. That's not how it works. Don't chase love being unwilling to give. Don't demand love being unwilling to give. It's just unchristlike and antithetical to the lavish giving love of God. Don't wait around to be loved. And you can be loved most profoundly today by Christ. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what hurts. I don't know where the lacks are, but I want you to know that I know the one who can fill your life with love, who can secure you. Trust him. It is finished. This is real. He's there if you put your trust in him. And then being loved by God, seek to give love. And you know what will happen? There'll be plenty of love for you and those other people on that base layer of Christ's love. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you are so beautiful, and your love is more powerful than the grave. Your love, as the psalmist said, is better than life. Your love reaches us because you came across the curse and down into our sin and rescued us 
at your ultimate cost. If you've never put your trust in Christ and what He has done and you want that love, just pray with me. Lord, I see it. I I can't earn it. I want to turn from everything I've called Christianity. I want to turn from everything I've called religion. I want to put my trust, Jesus, in what you've done for me and loving me on the cross. Thank you that even now you've forgiven me. Even now we have a relationship. Lord, there are many of us who have known you, and we just need that reminding today because you want us to experience love. God, would you help us to turn away from our selfish strategies and our demanding ways simply to be loved by you? And would you give us the privilege of loving someone in your name and sensing the meaning of the current of your working in us for our healing and through us for the healing of others. Lord, could you make this world different through people that know your love? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.